Welcome to the Future Is Podcast, where we meet the people shaping what's next in technology, business, and beyond. I'm your host, Bill Kirkus, Chief Marketing Officer at Honeywell. Hi, everyone. We're here at our new global headquarters in Charlotte, North Carolina, where employees can enter the building without touching a single door handle or even an elevator button. We've got facial recognition scanning. Everyone can set foot on an elevator that takes them right to their assigned floor. And that's just the beginning of the workday in this incredible new building that we have. In this episode, I'm, I'm really excited to speak with Ku McQueen, our Senior Director of Real Estate, to talk about the design of our corporate headquarters and some of the trends overall shaping the future of workplaces and buildings. Ku, thanks for joining us. Let me um, start with our first question. Um, tell us a little bit more about what you do at Honeywell and, and how you got here. Sure. So I lead the real estate function for the Americas region for Honeywell. And in that role, it includes the whole vertical stack of acquisition of real estate, uh, building and construction design, and then what we call the care and feeding of the facilities all the way through disposition. So it's the full life cycle of real estate assets that support Honeywell employees and our manufacturing base. Right. And, it, and so we have an entirely new built headquarters, literally ground up, still smells like that new car, <laughs> that new car smell. Um, and it's it's so cool to me because literally it's touchless. Coming into the parking lot, the gate goes up automatically, elevators, doors open up to the uh, up to my office, all those things. So I'm sure it's been a stressful job the last you know nine to 12 months building the building and getting people in here. But also you have one of the more exciting ones. What are some of the main features of the building that you can talk us through other than the touchless part of it that make it such an extraordinary building? Certainly the frictionless access is a key piece, but also our building has been dubbed the smartest building in the world. So we were the second building to be 5G enabled after the Verizon headquarters. And so that allows us to run a lot of our own Honeywell technologies within the building. I think that's one of the most exciting things is that we've employed our Forge platform or the monitoring of all functions within the building relative to facility management and building management systems. Um, we also have leveraged a lot of air quality sensors. We use UV electronic air cleaning filtration systems within the building to ensure the space is healthy and comfortable for our employees. Yeah, again, you know, I suppose we're biased, but it's an extraordinary building. How did you do this in, in the midst of COVID? A lot of the construction and then certainly moving in and, and troubleshooting the building all happened during the pandemic. It wasn't easy. My garage became sort of a, a finished sample location for all the carpet samples and, and paint samples and things that we were evaluating for the for the building because we weren't uh, in the office for a good portion of it. Yeah, so that's like one example. What I mean, there must have been just countless. Yes. Yeah, so for sure, the supply chain issues hit us early on. Um, all of our lighting system is power over Ethernet. The chips for those lights were being manufactured overseas. And like everyone trying to get a semiconductor chip, it was very challenging. And credit to our Honeywell procurement and engineering team for identifying an alternate chip that was tested in Poland to ensure that it would function the lights. So that was one of our biggest challenges to overcome. And then were there discussions, I mean, one of the extraordinary things about your, the real estate group here is how fast you pivot. Did you, were there certain areas you accelerated or changed with COVID to, to emphasize more as you were coming into the building and realizing that pandemic was extending for a while? 
Absolutely. So some of the actual Honeywell technologies were aspirational at the time that we were beginning the design of the building. And so even the the facial recognition to be able to allow identification by wearing a mask, um, things like that, that, you know, again, you know, we can't open our phones, but yet the with our mask on, but yet our elevator facial recognition um, can recognize that. So things like that, you know, we were fortunate that a lot of the things that we had designed into the building really complemented um, the reaction that we've had to COVID around air quality and comfort and safety for our employees. Is there a favorite feature of the building that you have being an expert? I love the the windows, the large size windows and the views from the building are amazing. Absolutely. You're fortunate to be positioned at the, the edge of Uptown with amazing views and tons of natural light. The 23rd floor is certainly my favorite floor. It is what we call the sky lobby and it houses space for our customers and employees. The Customer Innovation Center um, is just an amazing space and allows us to highlight our technology. And then the Accelerator Cafe um, provides a space for our employees to relax, collaborate, get a bite to eat. We have beautiful outdoor terraces that overlook Panther Stadium. The 23rd floor is interesting, too, because you would think the executive level and the executive suite would be on the top floor. But in this case, like you just said, that floor is dedicated to employee, employee training and customers. Was that part of the design from the beginning or, or what was the thinking on that? That was absolutely very deliberate. I will credit uh, Darius and his executive leadership team that um, identified early on that they wanted the top floor to emphasize our focus on customer and employees. And again, traditionally, you would see executive suites um, taking the top floor and they were very deliberate about highlighting that space, not for themselves, but for, again, the employees and customers. It's it's a super cool message to employees. And then it's even so open that we have a staircase that goes down to the other floors, right, to get up to 23. I, I assume that was deliberate as well. And was that hard to kind of think through and put together? Yes, the monumental staircase was one of our last features delivered. Getting labor in the midst of COVID where folks were were going in and out with COVID protocols and the skilled carpentry required to assemble and build that staircase was challenging, but it really has turned out to be an incredible feature that threads through three floors. Another interesting floor to me is 14, and I call it Minority Report, the old movie, right? I walk by this big glass uh, room, if you will, and it's a bunch of screens and it's kind of our IT center. What was the thinking there and, and was that a difficult you know, floor or area to put together? So 14 is our other amenity floor and the space that you're referencing is where our facility management team sits. And typically those folks are maybe given a closet in a basement, out of sight, out of mind. And because we are using Honeywell building technology to run our building, we wanted to highlight that. So they're in a very public space, uh, glass enclosed so um, everyone can see what's going on and We just want to offer a level of transparency again to employees and also highlight for customers um, that we're using our own technology. The thinking about the 5G and and getting that in the building and what was the thoughts there and were there challenges to do that? So there were absolutely challenges to do that. The system is so new, designing the backbone and infrastructure to accept that and ensure the sizing of it and, and the installation was challenging. But Really, I want to be on the forefront of technology that's going to enable us, and 5G is next-gen to allow that. Yeah, it's, I, I, like, I enjoy the signal, even, <laughs> even when we're in the elevators. That's nice. And then on the 23rd floor, too, we have a, a, it's a Honeywell product or dashboard. It's really unique in that it measures, I mean, you can explain this better than I can, but I, I can tell you can hit a sustainability button, an energy button, comfort button. Walk through that a little bit, and, and how do you design a building so that it's reporting all that data into this beautiful TV screen, if you will. 
the feature we're referencing, we like to call it the digital twin, and it's essentially a reconstructed model of the headquarters. And there's multiple different filters that you can select. So again, you can select air quality, CO2 and oxygen levels. You can select utilization, any number of features within the building. And our ability to deliver that is through our software forge system and all the data that we're collecting from the building is able to be illustrated. And again, it's just a great feature for people to see real time how the building is functioning and operating. I mean, it, it even tells you how full the parking lot is. So there must be hundreds of millions of sensors in the building. Was there a lot of thought of the design and how to get that to work and where they should go? Absolutely. So HBT was a key partner in, in the design of the building and ensuring that you know the sensors were you know, whether they're in, in the light fixtures or in the ceiling or wherever they may be to collect all that data and then report it back out. Is there something once the building opened that you said, wow, I didn't think this would be that great of a feature or we underestimated how popular that was. Just something that pops out that you didn't think might've been as most popular as it is. So I think, um, I think that the Innovation Lane and the CXC has continued to wow people. And we partnered with a firm out of the Netherlands called Purple to help us with that design. And, you know, sitting in the design meetings and, and seeing the storyboards is one thing, but to see it live in reality and these hologram pods that tell the story of different Honeywell products, again, all within this 3D environment. And it's done in a virtual way so that as opposed to a traditional museum-like display, as our products change and innovate, you can very quickly update and, and change the, the holopods. What about the same kind of question, but you underestimated or it was a challenge that you didn't necessarily think through as well as we should have? I will say that the ceiling heights in the 14th and the 23rd floor are very grand and it allows for an amazing employee experience. But what it also does is the air conditioning and HVAC system blows through a large quantity of air. And so in some of our training locations, it forces the mechanical shades on the windows to flap from a training experience. It can be somewhat disruptive. So we've gone back and put in some corrections to those, but those are some things that, again, until you're occupying the space, you don't really realize. So let's switch gears and go outside the building. I mean, what are some of the major trends or, or things, you know, people who are building new headquarters or large buildings should think about? I mean, we have hands-on experience in the last, you know, 18 months, right? So what are some of those trends or you know, what would you tell someone who called you up as an expert, right? And said, hey, we're trying to do this building. What, what should we think about? Well, I think some of the, the key trends were already in place pre-COVID relative to the office as a place of um, collaboration and driving a culture and innovation. And I think that that's even more important post-pandemic where we've all been remote and you will read different headlines that might suggest the office is dead. I would counter that, that the office is more critical now than ever. Um, we need to you know, get our employees together to collaborate, to have knowledge transfer, to train, and just have a social aspect as well. So some of the things that we've employed here at the headquarters is we have neighborhood zones for different teams. We have non-dedicated seating. We believe that flexibility and mobility is here to stay. And so it may mean that an individual's journey throughout the week may be in the office two or three days. Maybe they're traveling for a day. Maybe they have a personal requirement to be at home. So again, instead of dedicating a one-for-one -one seat for each employee, we capitalize um, on that flexibility and have modeled a non-dedicated seating zone for each team. So you're obviously not modeling at 100, 110% capacity, right? Is that 
is, is that difficult to kind of determine, you know, who's coming in and, and Honeywell's on a hybrid schedule as it is. So it's even a little bit more complex, right? Who's coming in on a Monday versus a Wednesday? It definitely is somewhat like a Tetris puzzle um, and, uh, <laughs> and different, uh, different employee groups act differently. But again, we leverage technology and data to drive those solutions. So we have a product through our wireless system that allows us to monitor different pings throughout the building. So you can get heat maps in different floor zones and understand where you've got overload and where you've got underutilization. And then you can repurpose the mix of employees and, and their schedules coming in. Kind of maybe more of a personal question, and I'll give a personal opinion. So we've all worked from home for a long time because of the pandemic, and I call it that 2D view on on Teams or Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. I, which is great. I can see you. We can talk. But you don't have that face-to-face experience. I personally, especially in the last few weeks, I've been back in the office for a while, and we've had some marketers come into the group. There's a distinct difference of seeing people and working with them face-to-face. So do, you, do you feel that same way, or what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Again, I you know will reiterate that I think the office is more important now than ever. And just from a productivity and connectivity perspective, I love being back in, not only because the space is, in, space is beautiful, but I like my team. I enjoy working with the people um, every day and seeing them and having those spontaneous conversations that have to be scheduled over teams as opposed to just having naturally in person allows me to be so much more productive. So I enjoy being back in. Yeah, we're up on on 21, the marketing group, and we had a pretty good squad in yesterday. And it was just, it was fun. We were joking. We were getting work done, collaborating quickly. It was a pretty, pretty cool experience. Any other advice for kind of these, these groups of people that are looking to either majorly remodel or build a new building? Absolutely. I, I think that not only leveraging sort of that non dedicated seating model, but understanding that when employees come in, their journey throughout the day is not necessarily one where they sit at their desk for eight hours. So if you imagine your journey at your home, you you will navigate through different rooms within your home to perform different activities and our building is no different. So if you need to make a personal call you or have a one-on-one uh, conversation, you can hop in a focus room. If you need to quickly get together and collaborate over a, a screen and look at a presentation, you can hop in a huddle room. If you have more structured training or team meeting with a larger group, we have multiple size conference rooms. So the focus is really less about the me space and more about the we space and having a variety of spaces where within a few steps, an employee can can really navigate the activity-based needs of their day within different types of spaces in the building. I would assume you're, you're, you're getting calls from other companies, builders to say, hey, let me come look at this building. I mean, is that happening? And it's got to be a mark of, of honor in terms of what we've done here. Absolutely. We just recently, last week, Cornet is a professional organization for corporate real estate functions like the one I'm part of at Honeywell. And we recently won um, the best project of the year for buildings over 100,000 square feet for the Carolinas market. And after that, um, my my phone <laughs> inbox and my mailbox inbox have been flooded with requests for tours. And That's absolutely what we want. We want this building to be a showcase for Honeywell technology. And so it's a great partnership with the real estate team and the sales folks within HBT and HCE. And we bring in people that their role is deciding what technology goes into a new building at their company. And what a better way to to sell that platform than to walk them through live at the Honeywell headquarters. So I, like many at Honeywell, just moved to Charlotte back in uh, September 
there's a unique thing that happens in Uptown, which I would call downtown, but Charlotte <laughs> calls it Uptown. And it's the building lighting, the external lighting. And I know that falls into your team. Walk us through what that is and why when I drive in, sometimes I see every skyscraper with the same exact type of lighting. Absolutely. So we are fortunate in Charlotte, we have a business development organization called Charlotte City Center Partners. They have a calendar and a cadence of different holidays and events that they highlight through building lighting. So that may be a Hornets game where you'll see teal, purple, and white among the buildings. It may be a recent uh, professional soccer game uh, where Mexico was in town and red, white, and green were the buildings. So we are very fortunate to have the LED lighting system and a software backbone that can program those those lights to react to any event or holiday that we're celebrating in Uptown. And yeah, we'll have to figure out how to show some pictures of that. On a, I mean, obviously, this is a podcast, but um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And, and at least for me, unique to a city that I've been to. It's really cool. All right, let's wrap up here. So, of course, this podcast focuses on the future. So to close out our conversation, I'd love to ask, and I ask everyone this, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? It's funny, Bill, that you should ask because recently my parents were cleaning out their house and my mom shared with me a document and it was essentially a vision. I'm showing Bill a, a, picture, <laughs> a picture of me when I was 12 years old with a horrific haircut. That's a and, great memory though. Um, yeah. And in, uh, in this vision board, um, it has my dreams and my dream in here was to be an interior designer. And I start out the note saying, congratulations, Miss McQueen, you have just won the best interior decorator of the year award. And as I mentioned, we just won uh, the best project of the year in the Carolinas last week. So I'd say that my uh, vision as a 12 year old um, has come to life as an adult. It's, that's that's <laughs> totally, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you're very, very close to what you wanted to be just when you were 12. That's remarkable. Well, I appreciate this time. Thanks for joining us. And again, congratulations on such a wonderful building. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. For more stories on the people and innovation shaping what's next in business and life, subscribe to The Future Is and leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts.